Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Woo! It's been an exciting start to the new year. I'm sorry I wasn't with you last week, but I was with you in spirit. If you are just joining the show, welcome. I'm your host, Kelechi Azier, and Cake and Kombucha is a weekly pop culture, politics, ratchet, sophista ratchet situation. We talk about meaningful topics, sometimes intimate, sometimes more deeply meaningful, but we also cover, and by we I mean the royal we. Hello, hello, hello. Um, We also talk about, you know, people's wigs and shit like that. I don't know. It's a good time. Um, So, as I was saying, uh, when the new year hit, well, actually not when the new year hit, maybe, I guess, around the 15th or so, I think the 18th, I started rehearsal for a new play, and it goes up next week. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm don't not I do not leave the stage the entire time. And yeah, so it's a it's a doozy. So I've been in rehearsal every day. Um, it the play is called Jump by Charlie Evan Simpson. It is a beautiful, beautiful play that uh, centers around one woman, my character processing grief. Don't worry, you won't be crying the whole time. There is lots of laughs. It's just a beautiful story that I really think people should see. It will make you think, definitely make you think. Um, Again, black female director, Charlie, I mean, black female playwright, Charlie Evan Simpson. Director is a fantastic, brilliant director. Uh, Indian woman, Arpita Mukherjee. And there are four other actors in the show, myself, Natasha Hakata, Dathan Williams, and Alex J. Gould. It's great. So I've been in rehearsal every day. It's I you usually have a little more time before you jump into a rehearsal process because they are all consuming typically. But, you know, usually you have time to notify people like yourself, your spirit, that your whole schedule is changing and like becoming all about one thing. Um, But I didn't because I think I was asked to come in and then. I came in and then was told I had, I got the role that day and had to start rehearsal the next day. It was nutty. So yeah, I was just thrown in there and had to, you know, catch up, do what is required to really dive in and bring this role to life. Plus last week I scratched my cornea. So that's the real reason I didn't record. Um, I'm going to say this right now. If you have any cleansers that have those exfoliant beads. I know we all love a good skin cell turnover as I do. That is one of the main reasons why I would say that my skin is clear. Don't, you know what? Don't even quote me. I don't like to be one of those people that gives up bullshit advice. I I don't, breakouts have never really been one thing I suffered from, but I have my products that exfoliate that I feel like gives you this, that extra glow, especially ones with salicylic acid. So this product was a Kiehl's brightening one that has little beads in it. Now, all my kill stuff is free from when I worked there, but like it's, I thought it was a good product, but one of the little beads got stuck in my eye. Did not know it was there. I knew something was there. I could not see it. I could not reach it. I mean, up, up in your eyelid. Um, it hurt. It hurt so badly. It got worse. It got worse. It got worse. And I found out I had a corneal abrasion. So yeah, my cornea was scraped. So when I got home that day from urgent care, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I'd had one contact in all day. My eye was running and running. I was trying to, oh yeah. And so when I went to urgent care, uh, the the physician's assistant that I saw, he flashed a flashlight on me for like literally a second and was like, it's a corneal abrasion. And I was like, oh, are you going to examine my eye? Because I knew there was something in there. I was like, I feel something in my eye. And he said, oh, when you have a corneal abrasion, it feels like there's something in your eye, which is true, but it just takes me back to this very current issue, significant issue of people not listening to black women in medical situations. I told you that there's something in my eye. And and I tried to say, like, you know, I have, I'm nearly blind. I've been wearing contacts since I was 12. I'm a very sensitive to my eyes person. I just know what's going on there because I, I just noticed shit that other people wouldn't. I have to be very careful with them. 
if one thing goes wrong, I'm blind. I'm already really close to blind anyway. So I said, you know, are you going to examine it? Are you going to like open my eye at all? Yeah, he didn't. He then he numbed my eye so he could like, what was the purpose of that? Oh, I think for pain. And then it got intensely, intensely worse. So whatever cleansing soap salicylic fucking acid is in my eye, I guess, from these exfoliant beads had a chemical reaction with the numbing thing. But also, if you think about it, what's a reason that something like that you would still feel pressure, even if something was numb? Because, you know, when when doctors like numb certain areas, not knock you out, even when you have like dental work done, if they, they can numb an area, but you could still feel the pressure of like the drill or something. So that could have been a clue that there was actually something there that the numbing didn't work, but in fact, knocked me out. And I asked him, it's like I've been to medical school. I mean, not to pat myself on the back and any doctors listening, don't get mad at me. But I just remember some of the scientific process. I'm just like asking questions like, okay, so this numbing uh, drops that are supposed to make me feel better. Do, has it, do most people present in this way where they feel intensely, intensely worse? No, no, you're the first person that I've seen to do that. So like nothing that happened made him think that there was anything not run of the mill about my corneal abrasion and that there was like it, it so many things happened that were not exactly what he expected and yet you still come to the same conclusion. Isn't that like not science? Did you, like if you have a hypothesis that I have a corneal abrasion and nothing's in my eye, you test that hypothesis. You find out there's like three different things going on that you didn't really expect to find. Wouldn't you like regroup and come up with a new theory? Anyway, I asked him, okay, so my eyesight's really bad. You know, I, I have to take extra good care of my eyes. And when I say bad, I mean my prescription for contacts is negative 7.5. If you don't wear anything, ask a friend. Because for most people, that's unheard of. And so, with a slight astigmatism. And so I go... And I'm like, hey, you know, my eyesight's really bad. Sorry, I literally was summoned like a maid uh, to feed the dog. Like she yelled at me. Um, so I asked him, you know, should I, should I go to an ophthalmologist to double check all this? I mean, I didn't say it in that way. Like, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. But I said more, you know, should I follow up with an ophthalmologist since my eyes are very, you know, compromised anyway? No, 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 no. So, of course, the first thing I did is schedule an appointment with an ophthalmologist for the next day, and I went, and she immediately asked me if there's something in my eye, popped my eyelid back, which is what I had wanted someone to do, and plucked it out, and she said, you'll feel better immediately. There was literally something in your eye for 24 hours, and that's why you're in excruciating pain, and now you won't be. So, yeah, uh, but the day that I was set to my normal recording day, Wednesday, uh, was I still had the thing in my eye, so I was just, I was a mess. Um, anyway, so there's a lot to cover. Let me get right to it. Boop, 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 bloop, boop, boop, toot, boot it. From now on, you will always be able to look at the Cake and Kombucha Instagram page to find out updates about whether there's any delays. Uh, that's, I mean, those are not the main kind of updates you're going to get. Like, you know, I'll, I'll give you little teasers of what's to come for the week. I will give you little videos and things of that nature. But yeah, that's going to be my non-audio way to communicate with you. And uh, the page is under construction. My life has been crazy. Don't hate on it. Don't hate on a bitch. But yeah, I'm. it's going to, you'll see it start to populate this week. I know I've said that before, but now it's true today. Also, I can see how many of you are following it. So what do you know? please follow it's cake and kombucha podcast on instagram i mean i hope i don't have to tell you to subscribe like here like that's crazy anyway let's get into it all right so i wanted to cover um just updates from things that we had discussed before on the show for, for, for piety's sake so here's a statement from the queen that was released on January 18th. So to follow up with Megxit and where we landed, um, 
Here's what the Queen had to say, her official statement from Buckingham Palace. Buckingham. Following many months of conversations and more recent discussions, I am pleased that together we have found a constructive and supportive way forward for my grandson and his family. Harry, Meghan and Archie will always be much loved members of my family. I recognize the challenges they have experienced as a result of intense scrutiny over the last two years and support their wish for a more independent life. I want to thank them for all their dedicated work across the country, the Commonwealth and beyond, and am particularly proud of Meghan and how she has so quickly become one of the family. It is my whole family's hope that today's agreement allows them to start building a happy and peaceful new life. I thought that was very deep. Um, and do you know why I thought that? Because <laughs> I actually like looked up some shit and I had seen in my little research that it's, it was, it's been very rare for the Royals to make any commentary, make any commentary at all about the being hounded from the press. It was one of those kind of like, oh, you bitches are beneath us anyway. So we're just going to kind of like literally not mention that you exist. So for the queen, to address, you know, the gram and the blogs, I recognize the challenges they've experienced as a result of intense scrutiny and kind of including calling out, you know, I'm not saying she's calling out racism, but like all of that, you know, Harry and Meghan have explicitly. So all of that is under that umbrella. So it was very significant for her to uh, validate their reasoning. And I didn't really... You know, you would think this would be some humble pie for the people that were talking, you know, talking about Megan so scurrilously, but it's not. They still have some weird idea that this is like breaking up the royal family, which is like, A, who gives a fuck, B, like what? Uh, So what they did have to do is stop using their Her Royal Highness and His Royal Highness titles, which (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm American. I love hamburgers. I'm more American than I realize. I just, this is funny to read out loud. Like the Sussex, the Sussex, I, I also can't say Sussexes. The Sussexes, whew, I gotta use breast support. The Sussexes, for that second, will not use their HRH titles as they are no longer working members of the royal family. Um, <laughs> I come from a, a world that cares about like PhDs, not like HRHs, I'm dead. Like, and is it work? I guess. It's boring. And there's plaid and tweed and shit involved. Um, so, yeah. So here's like the nitty gritty from Buckingham Palace. We are supporting them as they embark in the next chapter of their lives. Blah, blah, blah. They understand they are required to step back from royal duties, including official military empo- appointments. They will no longer receive public funds for royal duties. Oh, no. You mean I don't have to wear any more ankle-length skirts that itch that you've provided and go stand at attention in front of bagpipes and archaic things and feathers and pheasant hunting and shit? Oh, no. My God. What am I going to do with all this new time? Just be a mom and maybe a working actress again? Like, what the fuck? That's my um, satirical inner monologue. So they will continue to maintain their private patronages and associations. They no longer formally, they can no longer formally represent the queen. They've made clear they will do everything to uphold the values of her majesty. Um, Blah, 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 blah. They're going to repay the sovereign grant expenditure for the refurbishment of Frogmore Cottage. Again, like anytime you want to laugh. Yes, the cottage that they like lived in part time or full time. I don't even know. was called Frogmore Cottage. That's what I got out of that. That's a word. And it will remain their UK family home. So they're paying back like a couple million out of their like 50 million collectively. Blah, blah, blah. Great. And then Megan has already been filmed, I think, jogging in like Vancouver or something, which she where she will. um. Uh, I think she's going to sue, they said, actually. Because now they're just private citizens. They're not with the shits. And it's about to go down. I think it's also fun there in Vancouver. Not only is Vancouver beautiful, it's where lots and lots of TV gets made, like second to like LA and New York. Uh, Vancouver is a huge shooting location. And I am excited to see what she does next. So that's all for now.
Okay, I'm sure you heard this news uh, already. Uh, very tragically, Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, as well as nine other people, perished in a helicopter crash uh, this past Sunday. It's just surreal, really surreal. Um, my mom was called me. And was like, "Why well, have some bad news?" She's like, "Kobe Bryant died." I was like, "No, he didn't." What are you talking about? And it's just that terrible feeling you get when someone who's a cultural figure and not, you know, that that much older than you, like he's forty one, um, you know, within a, a decade older than you, dies, and you kind of don't know how to process it. And then the helicopter, it gave me flashbacks of Aaliyah. Now you want to talk about a celebrity that we all took hard. We were inconsolable. That was just, we were inconsolable. Like the the Aaliyah thing was like for all, you know, little black girls of certain age, that was really tough. But in terms of the, you know, the crash itself, the the depressing redundancy of these crashes, um, you know, I've known personally known people that lose their whole family in a a private jet crash. I, I feel like I hear helicopters and, and chartered planes and private planes crashing at such a higher incidence. And it's really scary. It's just as like, are these things that are safe to do or not? Like, I just want like a new verdict on this. It just seems it just seems like this happens way too much. So what's the reason for that? How are these things less safe? Um, and, and, you know, so I didn't even know that his daughter was on the, the helicopter too when I found out. And I was just like, dang, to think about the family and his wife and poor siblings, like there's four of you and now there are three. And it's just so much. It's so much for kids to go through losing a parent and a sibling and, but the sibling part, like people don't talk a lot about sibling grief. It's a huge thing. And that Vanessa has lost a child. It's terrible. So there are really heartfelt tributes. It's been truly moving. Um, you know, Jimmy Fallon openly cried, you know, at his, uh, the open of his show and talked about when he first met Kobe, they were both young and they kind of came up together and became dads together. And, um, yeah. So I do have to say this. Uh, I became aware of a gap in my own like perception with everyone else's kind of. I did not know. I always thought of Kobe Bryant as a complicated figure, like a problematic fave. And we have them. We have problematic faves. We have people that have done really, really bad things that have done uh, really good things also. I... I'm not directly commenting on the idea of do we bring up bad things when someone has died or not, which is a certainly valid conversation. I think it is very clear to me that there's no hard and fast rule about that. And I think it would be disingenuous to say that there was. I personally have my moral code of things to do. I don't believe I've ever been caught on the Internet celebrating someone who died, not even like Anton Scalia or anything like that. I don't think I have. If I have, then check me. Like maybe I j- forgot myself and my own feeling on that one day. And and that almost comes from like a superstition thing. Like I don't, uh, there's certainly people that I think the world is probably better without. Um, I don't, I just don't like to like talk about and say things like that. But I mean, it is very evident to me that, you know, there's certain people who, if they're not popular in some other way, like they have an amazing talent, like music, sports, whatever, they we wouldn't they wouldn't get a lot of positive, you know, no one would be like, don't say anything bad about Harvey Weinstein when he, you know, on the day that he dies, they're not going to be like, we got to talk about all the beautiful films he made. We can only mention Shakespeare in Love today. And he was a husband. Like, they're going to be like, complicated, big, bad, ugly villain dude dies. And so all that is to say, those debates about, oop, and I didn't turn off my own phone. Those debates about etiquette and what's right and what's wrong are useful. My only sense is that it's we can make a new argument every time. Like, I will just say that this is the part that shook me up is that I didn't know 
that I was the only, I feel like I'm one of the only people that thought that. So I feel like I've been in some sort of time warp where I hear, I, I learned something, I remembered it and everyone else forgot about it over 15 years. And am I stuck in the past? Or like, was this just not resolved in a good way? I mean, he had a rape allegation. He it went to trial. It was settled out of court. And if you look up the evidence, it was very, uh, very, very compelling that this actually happened. And I think like in the Me Too climate, if this happened, like no one would be at all on his side, um, really. Other, Well, I mean, maybe because of his personality and, and his talent, but they would not be like there, there, you know, it would be believe a believe women situation. It would be a believe victims, believe women situation. So, yeah, I just felt like, and and I felt like it was very sad because I felt like he was someone who was, you know, rebuilding his legacy and doing a lot of great things, becoming a devoted, you know, a devoted dad, father, starting charities, and it was kind of like, to me, I I just felt like that's even worse, you know. Like you haven't, we didn't get a chance to see like the, what kind of man you have become in your fullness and your old age and how you'd redeem yourself and things like that. It's just like you were robbed of that time. I mean, the whole thing is very sad. I guess what I just wanted to say that if there's anyone else who feels a little bit surprised or confused at how, how like little this is being brought up or just did not know that the public memory or public image of people was so unswayed by things like sexual assault. You just know that you're not the only one. You're not the only one. And it may be because I don't, you know, follow sports. It's not that I don't know that he's like, you know, the best of all time. That's just like a tangential. It's just like a floating information in my mind, but I don't, that's just never been something that would like, that just has nothing to do with the other information to me so yeah I hope this has been somewhat coherent I just I just was surprised I just didn't I and maybe it was my timeline more but like I saw one person say something and then there was that Washington Post um I don't even know what she tweeted but she tweeted something about his allegations and wait am I supposed to be calling them allegations if he settled I don't know, but she tweeted something about it and then she got suspended from her job, which was nuts. Um, and allegedly, but like she was actually suspended because she tweeted out, uh, information about people who are giving her death threats and like included their email addresses. So <laughs> she docks people who are death threatening her and by like, doing some kind of, I don't know, pre-protection against people who have threatened to murder you, she got uh, suspended from her job. And yeah, they were, she was getting the death threats because of you know what she said. So I haven't seen a lot about that. And, you know, I just think I feel more sensitive about it too because especially with the black community, I just, the kind of like coming together and putting someone on a pedestal that we do I feel like there's a transitive property to that. And it, it, I also see it in, in like people like R. Kelly and stuff like that. And I, and I'm not comparing Kobe Bryant to R. Kelly necessarily. I'm just saying like when we really, really, really like these people who have done really great things in some field and are top brilliant achievers in whatever they do, we almost always let them off the hook for crimes against women and abusing abuse of women somehow. And it just makes me a little nervous. So I would just say that it makes me nervous. And everything that I felt, I'm stunned, sad, completely shocked, hurt, especially for his daughter, just like, oh, my God, heartbreaking. I've cried when I saw, you know, other people crying and sharing their memories. It's been very moving to me. So I just want everyone to know that all of those feelings can exist at the same time. And... Um, you know, I don't think my listenership is yet is such yet that I will be getting death threats. I hope I hope I don't. Um, yeah, please don't send them to me. I don't I don't want them. I don't receive that.
Okay, here's something that's disturbing in a not morbid way, but just wow. So, as you guys know, probably, um, Beyonce had her Ivy Park capsule collection for Adidas, which featured orange and maroon uh, color theme and had giant uh, unboxings where she sent like a it's like a, a rack like you would have like in theater or on set, like a, a, a rack of clothes on wheels, but covered in a giant it's a giant garment box. It's bright orange. And so all these videos of celebrities opening them came out and Interestingly, people were angry that she sent it to celebrities, uh, which I thought was weird because there are like people she's like cool with. And I was like, but Beyonce doesn't know you. So why would she send it to you? Marketing aside, aside from the fact that it's strategic to have people who have like 10, 110 million followers on Instagram open something from you online, something you're trying to sell and try it on for free. You know, the payment being that they got all this stuff. Or who knows? They honestly could have been paid. You really, there's so much paid um, paid a PR going on that you don't, we don't really know what the line is. You know, even if these, even if celebrities are friends with each other, you really don't know. But anyway, uh, apart from the like, oh yeah, that's obviously a way to get people to buy your stuff part. She knows these people and she likes some of them. She's a good relationship with some of these people. So I think it was strange that it was virally trending. People were like, I'm sick of celebrities getting things for free. That's not like what is meant by that. I mean, when people, I think it's like all the free products from companies and like, yes, Beyonce is a company, but let me finish. I think what is meant is like plane tickets, like things that they could factually afford. Like you get perks for things that you genuinely can afford that other people don't. I don't think getting like free stuff from your other powerful friends was supposed to be included in like, Oh, celebrities get so much free stuff. Like, cause in that vein, like most people benefit from whatever social circle they're a part of. I, I thought it meant like the gen, you know, companies, general public, you know, you should get a free hotel room and upgraded hotel room in places that like, no, not necessarily. Although like, well, that's another example of like who else is competing with you for that hotel room like if it's but my point is just that I thought it meant the the whole like you know general things happening in the world being given to you and kissing your ass I didn't think people were now mad at celebrities giving other celebrities things and so yes Beyonce has a company and yes her company's Ivy Park and the launch is through Adidas I just did not think that was meant what was meant and I think people need to calm down I really think they need to come down and get off the internet. If you are sick of looking at how rich people spend their time, literally stop following them on Instagram because I know there's some of you, my, my beautiful followers that don't follow pop culture that much, like my older sister and stuff like that. Like I bet she didn't know about the Ivy park launch and the unboxings, you know, Reese Witherspoon trying on the clothes, looking like a, like a cool mom, so she wasn't mad about it. And like, I am not trying to be dismissive. I'm not saying, oh, you can never want any changes in society. You should just like stop doing that thing. I'm really saying it is ironic to follow people because you're a fan, you're a stan, and then get mad when those famous people that you follow on Instagram, like their worlds collide and they do shit with each other and for each other. I do think that's weird. Anyway, back to Ivy Park. So the capsule collection did a whole like pre-launch as people do, which is another marketing ploy kids. Um, people do, I mean, I don't think it necessarily was in her case. It wasn't, it wasn't like, I do believe she is genuinely out of stock for the time being, but people do like say stuff is out of stock to create uh, It's called scarcity marketing. Anyway, pre-launch sold out immediately. And the next day, the real launch sold out immediately. So brings me to the next thing that I originally came here to say. Popeye's is now launching a clothing line that is inspired by people comparing their color scheme to Ivy Park's brand. Popeye's has maroon and orange on the bag. And I never, I had two Popeye's chicken sandwiches last week. Um, there was a Popeye's right across from my rehearsal 
area in Chinatown last week. And um, look, the sandwich is $5. It is the cheapest filling lunch you can get in New York. I And I'm, and I don't count $1 pizza as filling. Um, we're talking a protein and a carb and some vegetables. If you want to count the pickles for five, for four 99 that comes, that's like immediately ready, but like not like, you know, tastes like it's been sitting there a long time or something really, truly delicious. So I'm saying that I had their little Popeye's bags and it never occurred to me. Oh, this looks like Ivy park. So just how, like, I don't know what to think of the person that came up with this. Um, in fact, is one of these tweets a white person? Let me find out. Anyway, people tweeted comparisons to the Ivy Park Adidas collab and the Popeye's colors. And now Popeye's is creating a limited edition clothing line. And it's going to say on it that clothing, that look from Popeye's. Like, love that look from Popeye's. And um, it'll be available while supplies last and all proceeds will go to the Popeye's Foundation. Look, I know that they advertise Popeye's to us with shucking and jiving, and it is the black people's KFC because it has spices in it. I just feel like this is a step too far. I don't like how comfortable Popeye's gets with the black community. I just think you need to like slow your roll. Like, don't get so familiar, okay? Maybe use the HRH. Like, just relax. It's too much. It's too much. A word about the sandwich. Um, as I took uh, my cast, my lovely, beautiful cast mate to the Popeyes with me and made her get the sandwich so she could have it for the first time, we realized, like, the people who were in line fighting over it, they weren't like, oh, I'm so hungry. I have to wait in line for an hour. Oh, I, I want to fight for my supper. You know, I really need this sandwich and, and this is the only thing that can satiate my hunger pangs right now. What I'm trying to say is they hadn't had the sandwich before. So we kind of made it like, okay, way back in the day, there was this episode that freaked me out. I used to be scared of drugs when I was young. This is a tangent from D.A.R.E. And like the drug education and stuff that we got in school was super intense. Again, like people are just like, don't drink. No one said drinking meant alcohol. I thought it meant all liquids. Had some funny incidents with my parents about that. So I just remember thinking like someone's going to come and shove drugs down your throat. So there's this episode of uh, Captain Planet where like someone had these weird drugs they were manufacturing, these weird pills or something, and everyone's eyes started glowing and all the planeteers, no, the Russian or Ukrainian, what, what was she? Earth, wind, water, fire, heart, wind? Oh, no. Whatever the blonde chick was, she got turned over into a zombie and her everyone's eyes were glowing this bright amber and they were all walking around like zombies. And I think the gag was it was something recreational, but then it was like also being pumped into like the water supply. You know, there was a there was an environmental slant. It's Captain Planet. So it was a two pronged attack on society, turning them into zombies. And that's how I feel people and, you know, hoteps and conspiracy theorists and even concerned black citizens kind of acted about the sandwich like as if there's something within the chicken grease that's making people lose their minds that's actually not it what makes people lose their minds is FOMO and you can get FOMO over a TV that you feel like you're going to only be able to afford once a year on Black Friday or something that you just want that was just released like a Apple phone or whatever I don't know why I said Apple phone like I'm a 95 year old like an iPhone I guess I wanted to say Apple product. And so you can get FOMO about any of those things. So those people were fighting because they felt deprived of the chance of knowing what the hype was about, not because they literally need to taste the chicken. Because just think about it. With Think about it like with numbers, logistics. How were, the, how were that many people like fighting about it um, who had already had it? Like if it's selling out everywhere... That's just that's just not the case. The case was large crowds were gathered to to get something because of hype that they had heard about. It wasn't that they were just like, I'm hungry and the only thing that we'll do right now is a chicken sandwich. That's a distinction I feel that is important because I there was always something racist about the whole like, oh, look how people are motivated by chicken thing. And like, yes, it is chicken you're lining up for, but it's also just a phenomenon you're lining up for. 
that has been hyped up on the internet. And so black people, we are human and we are susceptible to, you know, FOMO and being motivated by the same kind of base instincts as white people are all the time and lots of other people all the time. And does it say something socioeconomically that, you know, something that is, you know, has a wider appeal is $5 and is a price point that even lower income communities can hit. Sure. I mean, that all that means is more people, you know, all that means is more people, but, um, Whoa, I didn't know I was going to give a full thesis on Popeye's, but that just happened. So anyway, they're doing too much and it's funny and it's not funny at the same time. Okay, impeachment. Impeachment. What can we say? There's so much to say. It's outrageous. It's boring at the same time. It's whack. It's interesting. It's a lot of different things. So um, like I said, when I jumped into rehearsal, I wasn't able to just sit and watch the news all day, which is in many ways better for my mental health than anything that was going on before. So thank you, Fortune, for, you know, switching up my lifestyle. But uh, so the first days consisted of the Democrats giving the same arguments that they gave before, which is, you know, like those are the arguments. So I don't want to be shallow and say that that lacked entertainment value, but I mean, it did, but like it should because... I mean, those are just the facts. And if you're paying attention the first time, yes, it's repetitive. But of course, you know, the Republicans brought up this repetitiveness as if it's like an actual, like, as if it means something. Like, as if we should not get in trouble for doing things that are wrong if it's just like, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer, you know? So let me give you some just some highlights. Okay. Hakeem Jeffries from Brooklyn definitely quoted Biggie on the Senate floor. He said, I just want to answer my esteemed colleagues who asked, what's this all about? Why are we here? Which is of course a completely like disingenuous question. And he just ran down the facts. He's like, because the president used abuse, you know, abuse, you know, his office to, you know, allow foreign influence to do such and such and such, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end he said, and if you don't know, now you know. And I was like, what? I mean, he didn't say it like that. He didn't say, if you don't know, now you know, nigga. He said, if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> I'm just trying to say that, like, and not have it be musical. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Anyway, Adam Schiff was truly brilliant. He's come out as one of the stars of the Democratic Party um, from this. Val Demings is doing her thing. Uh, what other Democrat high points are there? I don't know. I mean, their arguments are sound. They did what they needed to do. And it's just been an interesting week because leaks keep on leaking. Leaks keep on leaking. So, like, it's been come, it's crystal clear now that Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff you know, they waited, Nancy waited to, you know, run to Mount Olympus and hand off the scroll because we knew these, she knew these things were going to come out. And it's like, yeah, you keep saying we can't have witnesses. However, they have all these PowerPoints they can do from the pre-impeachment like hearings and just bring up video clips of things that happened two months ago. And then the news that goes, you know, alongside the, the procedures, uh, the proceedings, there's just a stream of crazy news. So we have Lev Parnas, who did those interviews, the two-part interview with Rachel Maddow. Lev Parnas is the associate. If it sounds vague, it's because it literally is vague. He's a goon in, you know, common parlance that worked with Rudy Giuliani. Uh, with the, He released video, like video, video, like video and audio, audio visual of the president in a meeting with with people and he asks um how long Ukraine can go without aid what's going to happen to them it's very you know i just have to say wow first of all it's just appalling because we didn't ever think the president like knew his way around a map or knew anything about foreign policy but to just to think that he presumably would have like other resources at his disposal, but he's just asking these random people like, Hey, so, Oh, they have oil in Ukraine. It's great. 
oh, it's great. Oh, why don't they, why don't they, why aren't they rich? And someone has to explain, like, you have to have the infrastructure to, you know, mine it and get oil. It's just like, I mean, drill. It's just like, wow, sir. Wow. So, you know, the Republicans are so ready to roll with anything that happens. And in terms of being total liars, they're like, well, that doesn't matter because this guy's indicted and da, da 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 da. He's indicted. Nothing he says matters. Um, it matters because President Trump literally said he didn't know him and he's at dinner, like an intimate dinner with him. I just like you have to laugh because I, I what? Okay, so that came out. Then Bolton, you know, the former national security advisor, he had pages from his book come out. So pages from his book have been released, and he clearly says in the book that it was a quid pro quo uh, for Donald Trump, you know, to get the aid money to Ukraine in exchange for uh, the investigation, announcing the investigation against the Bidens. Now, here's someone in the room where it happened. He's just right. He like his writing a book about this. So they are arguing about it, trying to determine go into the weeds and just determine the facts on the Senate floor. And he has released a book about it. So he, his lawyers have told Senate that he's ready to like subpoena him. He's ready. He's 30 minutes away. He's at that, uh, that burger was, I feel like he's at that hamburger restaurant from scandal, Gettysburg, Getty burger. He's at Gettysburg and he's, he's got a to go bag and he's just ready to uh, be to them in 15 minutes and to testify. So today, I got home from rehearsal and I was able to see some of the, this is Wednesday, today is Wednesday, the 29th that I record. I record the day before. And so the day before I get it out to you. So I was able to hear them asking questions. This part is a little more interesting because they ask like passive aggressive pointed questions that are not meant to discover new information, but are meant to bring about some sort of a point. And then they get to so those questions and answer time on the floor. And so Someone said, what does what did Bolton mean when he said, I'm not going to be part of whatever drug deal the president's cooking up now? The commentators on MSNBC, their take was that it's really funny because they're talking about uh, what like the question was, what did he mean by that? And they're acting like it's written on ancient scrolls and the dude is close by and you could just ask him. And while I do think that's funny. What I think is funnier is that what is usually meant by what kind of drug deal? Because there's a Republican, I believe, asked the question. Do you know a positive connotation in which someone would say, I don't want to be part of whatever drug deal you're cooking? <laughs> like, <laughs> And Ari Melbourne pointed out, which is interesting to hear like the legal part. And Ari Melbourne at MSNBC, who is a lawyer and he's like the head legal counsel for MSNBC, not counsel like he represents them, but counsel as in like their legal, he's the person they go to for legal questions. He said that, you know, John Bolton, who also, you know, is an attorney, it's interesting that he would use that language. It's not legalistic. It's not Latin. It's like very plain spoken. Like, hey, crimey crime, crime doers, get away from me, you criminal scalwags. Like, it's just very like, hey, this is, a. I think that what he actually said on the TV was, hey, this is illegal. Call my lawyer. This sounds very illegal. I don't want a part of it. I mean, yeah. So that was amusing. Um, so Dershowitz is representing Trump as well. So Trump's lawyers are a mess, first of all. And it was brought to my attention from also from MSNBC that it's not my imagination that they're bad. Because first I was just listening to them stumble over their words. And I was like, you need to meet like my grandmother, my 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 late grandma like who used to coach me for middle school speaking contests like what are you why is your tongue just in knots like do you you do this you go here and apparently they're bad because they are bad most of the uh the the reputable law firms of dc and new york they turn trump down because i guess people just it's not a good look to just get up and say ridiculous things wholeheartedly full-throated with your whole chest and um, lie. And it's not a good look for like history and stuff like that. And I guess these are like more liberal towns. So they said no. So he actually does have bad lawyers. It's like not imagination. And they're also doing a thing that is called kitchen sink. When you give the jury so many options that they can pick anyone. So they are simultaneously arguing that there was no 
quo, quo, there was no quid pro quo. If there was a quid pro quo, it's not rising to the level of abuse of power and impeachment. And today, Dershowitz said that if a president commits an abuse of power in an attempt to get himself reelected, it's for the good of the public. It's okay. It's in good faith. Which clearly paves the way for any dictatorships you ever want to have. He literally said that you can like break the law and do whatever you need to do to get to keep yourself in office to get reelected because it's for the good of the public, which I guess means that we should just not have like terms on our presidencies because you got elected once for four terms. You didn't get pre-elected for the next four. I mean, four, four, not four terms, four years. You got elected once for a four-year term. You didn't get pre-elected for the next four-year term. So there's a lot of different ways in which the argument makes no sense, but it's just, it's, it's galling. Like it's a level of, so I, I think we always knew that they were going to have to pretty much admit that he did all these things because he like kind of admitted he did all these things. Like it's in transcripts, it's in texts and everyone around him has confirmed it. Um, what I do think is funny is if you watch on Facebook, uh, what Facebook has like the Hill is their presentation of these live hearings. Also you could watch on Huffington post live. There's lots of ways to watch all this online. So on that, people can write comments and you see Trump supporters saying the Dems made this all up. It's all a sham. He didn't do this. And it's like, they're, they're still saying that he didn't do things that most of their representatives at this point have given up and like switch tactics from saying like, because they factually happened. So, you know, Dershowitz is here arguing, yeah, he did a quid pro quo to get himself reelected and it's fine. And the Trump supporters are still saying he didn't do anything. It's really weird. Like, if anything, it just represents the alternate reality that they live in. And it's not really about facts. It's not really about what's actually happening. It's just about, you know. (sighs) So is that those updates from impeachment that I wanted to cover? I should also say that um, Donald Trump is now trying to ban visas, uh, keep Nigerians out travel bans for Nigeria. And I feel bad. Like I both knew this was coming and maybe spoke cavalierly about it or like maybe like sarcastically said he was just going to have to find a way to ban us because he wanted to change the immigrant, um, the immigration clauses to like, you know, only people with high level degrees and stuff. And I was like, oh, so would you like an all black, all Asian country? Because that's what you're about to have. And um, so he found a way to ban Nigerians who... Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't understand what the reason for that would be like. So it's, it was very, it's just insidious. It's, it's depressing. I don't know like where we are with this and how far it's going to go. It doesn't look good because we weren't, the Supreme court wasn't really able to overturn like his other immigration foolishness. It's just very sad that, the racism is this blatant. Like you're, you're, you're just blatantly trying to block a populous African country. We, uh, Nigeria, the United States, I think has the most like expat Nigerians of any other place in the world. We are hugely represented in America compared to a lot of other, um, countries. And this is just so, it's just so clearly trying to erase black people from, American life from universities, from, you know, Nigerians are, are highly, they come to America and they're highly successful immigrant group and they're black and you don't want them here anymore. So <sighs> that's what's going on. Um, but yeah. Oh, the other important thing, Mitch McConnell, as of Tuesday night, did not have enough votes from Republicans to block witnesses. It has been it has been, you know, posited that this is a strategy to kind of whip the vote by announcing this. You know, Sean Hannity went after Mitch McConnell, not Mitch McConnell, went after, um, what's his name? The Mormon dude. You know who I'm talking about. The Mormon with from Utah with 17 kids. 
what's wrong with me? Uh, it's Mitt Romney. It's not 17 kids. It's like 11 grandchildren. Yeah, he ripped him a new one on his show and, you know, just mocking him for voting with the Dems or whatever. So there are still, there's still the four Republican senators that are the ones that, like, are expected to still somewhat be able to have a moral compass of some kind, not a huge one, or else they would have, like, defected by now completely. But there's the four people in discussion that they think will, you know, vote to have witnesses. And as of last night... Mitch McConnell, you know, if he had 51 votes to block witnesses, he would have he would have done it. So uh, to me, that just means like you weren't able to do it yet. You're not able to do it without media help. So there's still some hope. I can just. Oh, and Bernie Sanders is really rising in the polls. Like, do I want Elizabeth Warren to be president? Of course I do. But do I also think that Bernie Sanders has such a crazy, rabid fan base that is almost like the multiverse like opposite of Trump supporters in terms of their you know singular obsession with one person that they could go head to head with Trump supporters and get Trump out of office I do and so we might have to take one for the team and you heard it here first I would never be that kind of person that says that you know we got it like oh it's Trump but like let's rip apart all the Democrats and no any Democrat right now is better than him. Clearly and obviously, I am able to stay focused and to strategize. Any Democrat is better than him. So if Bernie has this, this poll, like we might have to just let the, let, the, uh, let the zealots take us away. Let the zealots take Trump out of office. Okay, guys. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Cake and Kombucha. I will be hollering at you next week. We probably will have a slightly truncated episode because I'll be in tech for my show and I'll give you updates about that too and I might as well I'll put them on the cake and kombucha podcast insta page as well but thank you for your support and your listenership as always I hope you enjoyed do remember you can always send me questions thoughts comments at cake and kombucha at gmail.com and I think that's it for announcements so I will talk to you soon bye Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kilechi Azia. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com.